Hey guys, it's Mark here from ETF Tracker and welcome to the show. This is the Exchange Traded Fridays. It's our week in review. It's for the week ending the 1st of October. So hopefully you are new to the show or if you are coming back, you are very interested in the world of ETFs. So we've got a few things that have happened this week, a couple of updates to the app and yeah, we're gonna take you through all of that kind of stuff in this very show. So if you're listening along on Spotify or via the podcast app on our ETF Tracker page, and just while you're here, uh, the ETF Tracker page, if you don't already know it, because some people just see us through uh, Instagram or YouTube or on Facebook, the ETF Tracker page is at www.etftracker.com.au. So you can search on Google, uh, you can find it just go by going directly to the site. But yeah, ETF Tracker, all one word. I think now we're at a stage where even if you search on Google, just ETF and space tracker, which often people will do, um, I think we're at a stage where we're coming up as part of the main searches now. We used to be way down the line, but yeah, it's a little bit better. But anyway, let's get to the news. So I'll bring up the newsletter that we've got here. And so this newsletter goes out to people that have signed up to the page where I'm going to look at ways to pull up the archive letters and anything that, you know, has been out over the last, uh, this is week 11. So the last 11 weeks of doing this, we will uh, find a way to showcase those as an archive. I might do something in the blog. So just experimenting, but yeah, this is week 11. It's gone by so fast since this was, you know, kind of first thought of, but I guess in lockdown, everything kind of just culminates together and just turns into a blur really, doesn't it? Uh, so anyway, we saw a few things on uh, gender pay gap this week uh, and articles for local kind of news. So we've got the local and global news and there was also more on investors getting into clean energy with ETFs. So there's an article on that. And then globally, there was a bit more chatter about Bitcoin ETFs as well as where more flows were going to in terms of global ETFs. So we'll take a quick look at that. Now, before we go ahead, we also had another update to the ETF Tracker app. And if you hadn't seen it, it's a free application. It takes data from the ASX and ChiX and various other sources like the ETF issuers. And what we do is we combine it all together into something that is interactive, it's visual. Yes, I said it's free to use, but you have to use it on desktop. So we use Microsoft Power BI. There's a lot of code that goes on in the background. So thanks to people that have helped out with that and some of the stuff that I've done there myself. And yeah, that is just something that is free to use, but we'll go through uh, an update that we've been waiting for ourselves. We've been wanting to release this for a little bit of time. So we will basically have uh, both ETF Tracker app and a holdings app running concurrently for a little bit longer, but eventually we'll get rid of the holdings app as a separate tool because it is now all in the one app. So less going back and forth between pages. So that makes it easy. And then also this week we had the interviews with experts. So we interviewed Angel Zong from RMIT. She's a lecturer and uh, just a very senior finance person over there. She has been running the masters of finance 
and has done a lot of research. You can look up on Google Scholar. And more importantly, she's done a lot of work in terms of investigating what's going on with retail traders here in Australia, and that leads to ETFs. So we'll take a look at that research and what else that she's uh, got to say that happened on Wednesday. So we'll show that to you. So what's in this newsletter? So if you are reading along, you always see, you know, this menu of what it is that we've got in the newsletter. We always start off with local ETF articles and global articles. We look at the ETF videos from the week, ETF podcast. The tweet of the week is about a Gen Z, Gen Z ETF. And there's also a chart of the week, which is to do with Lehman Brothers in ETF education. We look at some stuff from Rask, Australia. And then we've also got the ETF tracker links forum and where to listen and watch. So it's jam-packed show. Uh, we hope you will enjoy this one and I will see you there. Okay, let's get to the articles. And the first one coming up is all about the ETF tracker update, as we had mentioned. So because ETF tracker is all about Aussie ETFs, I thought that, you know, this, this is very much a local kind of news event. And what's happened is that we've done a merger. And what we had before was that we had different pages for the ETF tracker apps. So if you have a look, so for those that are um, watching this on YouTube, you'll be able to see here that I am on the ETF Tracker uh, blog where we talk about this app update that we did. On the main menu, there's an app for ETF Tracker. There's also a guide for ETF Tracker. There's also another app for ETF holdings analysis. And then there's also the year in review that we did for 2020. We did a special app for that. But, you know, the data is out of date now, so it's not really that uh, useful, but we still keep it there. But the holdings analysis app, that was separate because initially we had to keep the holdings data that we got from the different issuers that we collected in separate apps. And then we did the merger to be able to compare across different ETF issuers what the ETFs look like in their underlying holdings. So we eventually merged that into the main ETF tracker app. And so what we see is that the last menu option when you go to ETF tracker is a holdings comparison area. But also, and sorry, sorry, before we go ahead, uh, you can do all the same things you did with the holdings comparison tool. You can compare ETFs to see how similar they are. You can see how much the top 10 makes up in terms of the total weight of that ETF. And that's always interesting sometimes. And then what you can do is within the individual snapshots page, the ETF snapshots page, there is a section where you can see for each of the ETFs that we cover about 180 of those, you can see how many holdings there are for each of those. So some have 300 holdings, some have 20, some have a thousand, right? You can click on a button there and it takes you to showing you what is underneath the hood for that particular ETF. So that's something there. And I thought that would be a cool little update. So let's get back to the newsletter. The second one is from Rask, Australia. Uh, and this is two quality ETFs I'd buy in October is the title of the article. And in this one, Jazz from Rask, she goes through QLTY and Moat from BetaShares and Van Eck respectively. And as usual, there's highlights of performance, what is underneath the hood there, what's in the holdings, and also some details about costs. So uh, there's also um, some other options here that they mentioned. And some people, many just look at the broad market ETFs like VGS or IVV. But for the long term, looking at quality and moat in this case. And so for QLTY, 
And now we've done a few reviews on, we, we did a video on QLTY. We have one coming up on Moat and Qual, Q-U-A-L is one that is often mentioned there as well. But for QLTY, it's got 150 businesses in the portfolio here. So some of the biggest names are Texas Instruments, Supplied Materials, Intel, Intuit, Novo Nordisk, Visa, Kients, Accenture, Advanced Micro Devices or AMD and Cisco Systems. So that's a very interesting one there. Only 62% of its invested uh, of it is invested in US businesses. So it's got a bit of that global tilt. So company, uh, sorry, countries like Japan and Switzerland. So worth a look at there if you're looking for that type of uh, ETF. And then the Morningstar Wide Moat ETF. So this is Van Eck and Morningstar working together on these moat type ETFs. So a little bit different to the better shares one. It's looking for businesses that have a wide economic moat or a strong competitive advantage. And the shares are chosen for the portfolio by analysts at Morningstar. So this one makes it a little bit different. So the key holdings, it's got 50. Uh, we've got Wells Fargo, Salesforce, Chenier Energy. I haven't heard of them. Um, Alphabet, Microsoft, Tyler Technologies, Gilead Sciences, and Guidewire Software. So that's worth a look at as well. So the annual costs of QLTY, 0.35%. Annual costs of uh, Moat is 0.49%. So worth a look at those two. So thanks to Rask. The next one is from Financy, and the title is Young Women helping to close gender gap in ETFs. So that is uh, an ETF article if I ever heard one. So according to global asset manager State Street, back in 2001, fewer than one in 10. So only one in 10 investors were women. So 2001 is when ETFs first came about. August 27, 2001 is when they first came here. So it's the 20th anniversary of this year, not long ago. Fast forward to now, and it's one in four. So 26% of ETF investors are women. And we certainly see a lot of that, whether it's uh, online via Instagram and Twitter and TikTok. There's a lot of uh, females and also males, but we see a lot more of the influencer community really helping here. So the reasons that, um, so what they say here is, uh, let's put some perspective on what it actually means for economic equality. So one, more women are building wealth than before great. It's perfect. That's what we want to see. And apps and the data that's out there for that is a great leveler of things. And it just helps people be able to come more to the market. It's so much easier now to invest than in 2001. So there's a lot of that kind of stuff that, you know, needs to be taken into account as well. Number two, women will have to be considered from a product development perspective. So apps that are created need to have both genders in mind and not to say that they didn't in the past, but there was definitely a bit more of a bias there. Um, so it, it just wasn't as available uh, before that kind of stuff. So number three, female financial skills, smarts and confidence is increasing. And I'd like to see more of that happening. Uh, I definitely still see retail traders learning about this and like anything that you're learning for the first time there's a certain period of time where you've got to take to absorb all the information but there's so much out there that is helping people get started we've got our own getting started series with etfs uh, we, we go from the videos and the articles and blogs that other people produce and we get into the types of data that's available and how to analyze that data and hopefully we can help you with uh, etf tracker 
And so Megan Victor here from, uh, the, sorry, the head of Spider, uh, so State Street Spider ETFs. So she says that young women are the fastest growing cohort of ETF investors in Australia, showing that the gender investment gap may be closing. So we'd love to see that. So why is this happening? Uh, the trend is gathering pace because of the cost of investing is low and the ability to access these products is relatively easy. So, uh, yeah, it's it's definitely something that we see as well. So, there's a bit of background about ETFs and it's interesting that they speak to Spider ETFs or State Street because they're the ones that brought the first set of ETFs here to the market. So, that was STW and SFY, okay, and that was back in 2001. They talk about how ETFs compare to other asset classes. They also talk about how ETFs can perform, the expected performance there. A little bit more about final thoughts. So from a wealth building point of view, the article says that ETFs are an asset class that can help women with their financial security, but individual research is always needed. We agree, totally agree. Uh, do your own research, look under the hood, find a way to get access to the good tools that are out there. And there's plenty that are very uh, valuable, so worth taking a look. It says here, ease of access appears to be something that's working for younger female investors who indeed perhaps see these assets as a cheaper alternative to an inflated property market. There was an AFR article on the property market and how it was being so expensive that it's driving people to look to get into property via ETFs. You can do that with REITs and ETFs. And uh, yeah, it's just a good way to grow your money because if you just leave it in the bank, given where current interest rates are and inflation, you are actually going backwards if you just leave your money to sit there in the bank, okay? But like anything, there are risks, so do some homework. Last one is for the local news. It's from this AFR, the Australian Financial Review. It's on investors bank on ETFs to access the clean energy sector. And we've got a familiar face here. So we interviewed Mark Jokum from Stockspot and he features in uh, this article. So shout out to Mark there. They do some great research apart from the, you know, the work that they do to manage ETFs and provide those portfolios to clients to make life easier for them. So just in the last 12 months, the ETF market in Australia has grown 79% to 102 billion up from one, sorry, up from 56 billion. It quotes, it's gone a little bit further than that. So it's up to 125 billion as at August, but September numbers are around the corner. So we'll see where they go. Um, so ETFs are a terrific vehicle to express your view on a particular structure, trend, or thematic such as clean energy, according to Mark Jokum. So they've allowed investors to invest in uh, companies that generate a high proportion of their revenue from green energy and contribute to a cleaner environment. So they go through uh, three of the main clean energy ETFs here. So there's Vanek Vectors Global Clean Energy, that's CLNE. We've done an ETF analysis review of that. So check out our Instagram or YouTube videos. They've also got here Earth and another great name, actually three great names in this list. So Earth is E-R-T-H, that is the BearShares Climate Change Innovation ETF. Uh, funny, I'm sorry, not funny, fun fact. Uh, both the Global Clean Energy and the uh, Climate Change Innovation ETF, so this Vanek and BetaShares one, when we look at the underlying holdings there, there's quite some similarity. Not exactly, not a one-for-one, one, but there is some similarity across the board there. And then finally, the ETF Securities Battery Tech and Lithium ETF, ACDC. That's been around a little bit longer than the other two, a bit more well-established. This Akadaka-type um, battery play ETF, was one of our top 
performers that we saw in the data from 2020 and it's still um, I think it's still doing well there's a fourth option that's coming out soon so ETF securities launched uh, semi which is the semiconductors ETF that was I think last month or the month before but they've also got another one coming out which is all about hydrogen hgen so you've got CLNE for this clean energy one from Vanek Earth from BetaShares and then ACDC from ETF Securities and now HGen for Hydrogen. I think they're all great names and, you know, there's something to do with like having a catchy name, making it memorable for ETF investors. So it talks a little bit about um, some of the uh, ETFs here. So for example, Earth holds up to 100 companies that are larger in size, providing more diversification than uh, I think it was comparing it to don't actually see here i think it was comparing it to acdc and hydrogen so um earth holds 100 companies it's talking about uh has 135 million in thumb charges 0.65 percent in fees which is the same as clne now acdc as i said has been around a little bit longer so in the etf tracker there's more of a track record there so cleans index has returned 35.8 percent over the past 12 months and 39.4% over the last three years. So definitely worth a look at there. There's a bit more detail about that um, in the article. So if you've got a subscription to the Financial Review, make sure to take a look. All right, so we're off to the global. Let's race towards that one. The first one is Financial Times. Direct exposure to crypto might be better than ETFs. Executives say another article that is looking at the potential of an ETF wrapper on top of Bitcoin. I think we don't go a week without when we look for the global ETF news, it's something to do with crypto. And we will be having um, someone in the crypto space on our show in a couple of weeks time. So, you know, check, check that one out. It should be a good one. Well, should be, it is a good one. So definitely worth a look there. Um, the question is whether it's too late uh, for a Bitcoin ETF or a crypto ETF as investors might already be getting exposure directly to Bitcoin themselves and the jury is still out. So Financial Times, you don't necessarily need a subscription to view, I think, a small number of articles um, so you can sign up there, but they do have the locks up, the walls up on certain articles. So you're not going to get full exposure, but I think for this one, it is okay. So what we've got here, so Bitcoin exchange traded funds may be more valuable to financial advisors and their clients than they are to the other groups of investors, industry executives said last week. So despite the allure of a Bitcoin ETF, direct exposure to cryptocurrency might work better for a wider group of Americans. So in this case, more of those retail investors, whether it's through Binance or Coinbase or whatever else there is overseas and even here, the article is arguing that potentially investors of the retail kind of nature aren't necessarily going to be going for um, Bitcoin ETFs because they already have exposure to crypto. However, Bitcoin ETFs can be very good for institutional investment. So, for example, that would be um, your super right? So uh, wealth managers, hedge funds, superannuation firms, if there is a regulated Bitcoin, and I know this is, you know, kind of like an oxymoron, regulated, deregulated product, right? So a regulated um, Bitcoin ETF that is traded uh, on the exchanges, that opens it up to institutional investments and flows. So I still think that this thing could work, but it definitely looks at the other side of um, the 
the coin here, you know, the other side of the argument. So they say here, this, so this is from um, Matt Haugen at Bitwise Asset Management. He says that the beauty of ETFs is that they plug in seamlessly into the way financial advisors work. That's why it'll be a game changer and open up the market significantly. So that is good for them. Um, and it talks about the delays in the uh, US about the SEC. No one has ever accused the SEC of being a Lamborghini. That is certainly the case. I remember when it was first being talked about when Gary Gensler just became SEC chair and it's like, oh great, he, you know, he's got a background, he understands Bitcoin, he's just gonna push something through, but he's a regulator at heart, right? So even though he's got that Bitcoin kind of uh, and crypto exposure, it is going at the pace that it's going because it, it has to be looked through thoroughly. So um, I think it was unreasonable for people to expect that things would just fall over and we'd get a Bitcoin ETF straight away. There's a bit more details in the article there. And yeah, definitely take a look at what's going on there. Over here in Australia, there's a bit more about uh, Bitcoin ETFs. ASIC is our local version of SEC here. They've got a consultation paper out and they're looking into it in all sorts of ways. And so it's been, uh, it will be an interesting thing there. We can expect answers probably by the end of the year. The next one is Yahoo Finance 10 most heavily traded ETFs of the third quarter. This is showcasing the most traded US ETFs with some familiar names we see in Australia and many new ones. So if you trade global ETFs, this could be interesting for you. So let's take a quick look at some of the names here. The top one is the ProShares, uh, ProShares Ultra Pro Short QQQ, SQQQ. And that is a long name. It's got an average daily volume of 84.9 million shares. So that is a lot. So this provides three times or 300% inverse exposure. So it goes short when the market is uh, doing you know, well. Well, actually it goes short no matter what, but it does well when the market is uh, not doing well. So that's what I meant to say. But yeah, that's, uh, that's a short ETF there, but be careful with leverage. Um, read up on Investopedia, uh, all the various guides that are out there. Just Google leveraged ETFs and learn a little bit more about that. The next one is the SPY, SPY, the first ETF that was ever out there. And that still does really well. Its average daily volume is 65.6 million shares. The next one is um, XLF. That's the Spider or the State Street Financial Select Sector ETF, Invesco QQQ, which we hear in ads a lot when we watch CNBC's ETF Edge. That one is all about uh, exposure to 102 largest domestic and international companies, excluding financial stocks. Then there's the iShares Miski Emerging Markets ETF, EEM. That's got 35.4 million shares. That is its ADV. And as you can guess, this one is Emerging Markets Exposure and holds 1,244 companies. So worth a look at there. You can read the rest in this article from Yahoo Finance, and it just goes down the list. All right, so the next one is something from us in the videos section, and this is ETF snapshots. Now, because we have now merged the ETF holdings and the ETF tracker app all into one, it actually makes it easier for us to do these videos. And so on our Instagram page and YouTube, we have started doing some ETF analysis and we've had requests on Facebook, on Instagram to look into certain companies and please continue to send that kind of stuff through. So first of all, we'll go to the video here. I'll just- put Hey guys, it's Mark here from ETF Tracker. So that is me. And we can see here, jumping straight into it, we are looking at QS, 
QUS and also QLTY. It was mentioned in one of the articles above, but this was a request to look at QUS and QLTY together. And so we've done that using the ETF snapshots page and we can see the six tiles relating to returns, size, transactions, tradability, quality, and costs of ETF, as well as having the holdings data there now too. So all of these reviews that we've done um, for clean, for RBTZ, for IVV, all of these different tickers, they follow along the same path. We look at the data that's coming out from the exchanges. We take a look at the underlying holdings. Maybe for the next reviews, we'll start doing some comparisons of similar ETFs that are out there and just see how the underlying holdings compare. Okay. And yeah, so that's what this one is all about. And there is a full list on our forum. So if you are on ETF tracker and we'll show you where the forum is a little bit later on, there is a section there in portfolio analysis and reviews where I've started keeping where all the requests come from because I get emailed these or they're on posts on public forums. But yeah, I'll get to those over time. I did a flurry. I think it was on Monday and um, yeah, I've just been very busy on other kind of client projects. So haven't had a chance for that one. So let's get to Ausbiz and quite a few videos from this week and last week. First one is what's next for ETFs, FANG cloud computing. And so this is one with Chad Heitzman from ETF securities talking about the NASDAQ sell-off and ETF securities tech and semi ETFs. So take a look at that one. The next one is from Adam O'Connor from BetaShares green infrastructure and green reporting, diversifying your ESG exposure. So per the show notes, ETFs um, meets ESG in this chat with Adam O'Connor from BetaShares. He tells us that the new way to approach climate conscious investments is to diversify and think more critically about what the companies or ETFs in your portfolio actually invest in. That's perfect, right? That is all about what we believe and what we hear many others talk about. You've got to look under the hood and see if those ETF holdings are actually in line with what you would want out of your ETF. ETFs are that great vehicle. They've got catchy names and you know they're cheap and easy to get into to give you exposure to a bright, wide, wide range of uh, different sectors, regions, types of companies, but you do need to look under the hood to make sure that it is something that you're happy with. Okay, the next one is Aussie retail investors are flocking to trading platforms. And in this one, it's Andrew Tunney from Investment Trends. Investment Trends do quite a lot of research. They do the ASX investor survey, for example, I've done that for a few years and we get a lot of interesting results out of that. There was something they did with, I think, Oz Ethical on ESG. So that was also worth uh, taking a look at too. So some great research out from these guys and what they said that um, in his latest research here, they look at the rise and rise of the retail investors using online trading platforms. Is this a new mega trend? Online retail in the ETF space? So what is the profile of these investors? And Andrew uh, offers in this show three reasons why they prefer an online platform. So that's worth a look if you're interested in that space. The next one is how ETF investors can profit from the Evergrande crisis. Evergrande, Evergrande, however you want to pronounce it. This one is talking about when it comes to getting exposure to China, you might be a little bit nervous 
even if you're an ETF investor. Damon Gozen from VanEck says that he's observed a divergence between headlines and sentiment. And whenever there is divergence, that's an opportunity that opens up. So Damon says that some context is needed given the much bigger problems, uh, declines in the ASX 200, S&P 500, and the Miski World Index. So worth a look there, especially if you are concerned about what is going on with Evergrande. And then the last of the videos, and this is also from last week, um, from Gold to Fang, a tour of the ETF universe that was on Friday. So it missed the cut for last week's um, newsletter, but it makes it this time. So Kanish Chug from ETF Securities reviews the gold market and corresponding ETFs after a very volatile week. Kanish says the uncertainty around Evergrande led to some buying in the precious metals space. So traders are making moves and doing it in large swaths. But what for the end for what for the other end of the story and in particular growth names like the Fangs? So worth a look there if you want to take a look at that. And then finally, the ETF tracker show. So that's us. Uh, we have our Wednesday interviews with experts and episode seven it was. In this case, it was the academic view on ETFs. And we had someone that we've seen in the markets quite a bit. She's been in the news, whether it's the ABC um, Evening News, for example, on TV, it's the Market Lit Conference, or it's in the AFR, or it's an Inside Investor, or various other places where her articles and, and news have been shown. She does a lot of research into the markets here in Australia and especially retail investors. And that's Angel Zong. So she's a lecturer at RMIT. She does their Masters of Finance uh, program over there. And it was all about retail investing that we spoke about as well as the different reasons why um, investors jump into retail investing. She's done a recent survey when we did film this. So this was back in, I think it was late August or early September when we filmed it. So we filmed it early then and only just, you know, releases over the next couple of weeks, one a week. But there was some stats that she was able to show us in. Um, so I'll just jump to YouTube here. She was able to show us some statistics and talk about those that she was finding from some of the study groups that they had. So you can see Angel and I here. Unfortunately, you know, it's still very much that uh, kind of lockdown. I don't have anyone that we can meet up with in person, but who knows, we'll hopefully be able to see people in person at some point and even travel into states. So we'll see how that goes. ETF tracker interstate. I would love to see that. And I hope you guys would too. And then in the podcast. So the first one is the podcast version of the interview with experts. One that I mentioned up above. And then I thought I'd also highlight the Australian finance podcast. And this was actually a crossover episode. So I don't know if you guys are old enough to or young enough. I don't know. Um, uh, kind of at that crossroads myself in life. Um, young enough to remember the crossover type cartoons where you'd have Futurama and the Simpsons or Family Guy and the Simpsons or something else in the Simpsons. I don't know. Um, this is one of those. So we had the Australian Finance Podcast, which is by Rask Australia. So Owen and Kate over there. And they had equity mates on the show. Now, this was quite interesting. And maybe it's a sign that you got to be careful when you bring two powerhouses together, because during the show, they had an earthquake. So if you guys remember the earthquake from last week, which was really weird, I'm here in Sydney. I have uh, an intern we're working with down in Melbourne. And when that earthquake happened, he, we were talking on WhatsApp and he was saying that the earthquake was happening. And then seconds later, I'm sitting at my desk here and I could see 
the desk kind of just moving a little bit side to side. And I thought I was just seeing things, placebo effect and all that. But then we get an email through from uh, the property manager over here with all the apartments and they had the same thing. They said that people were emailing them all about having their apartment shaking or something. So it wasn't just me, it actually happened. And then seeing it later in the news, it was weird. But anyway, Owen and Kate bring Alec and Bryce from Equity Mates, so meeting of the minds there. They discuss a wide range of different topics on their investing journey, the book launch, buy the book if you haven't seen it, and experience starting a media company. Very impressive story. I don't know if you guys have seen them um, or looked into you know, the AFR article on their journey and what they had done doing this part-time and then actually growing it into something. Amazing, amazing. So that's 47 minutes there. Take a look at that. All right, it's that time. It's the ETF uh, tracker tweet of the week. Well, not the ETF tracker. It's, you know, the just the tweet of the week here. If you take a look, um, for those that aren't seeing this, it is a prospectus, the image of a prospectus for an ETF filing. And we've had meme, we've had all sorts of funky uh, trend following ETF names come out. This one follows along with that. It is called Gen Z. So this is the Gen Z ETF. It maybe will list as G-E-N-Z or something similar. Um, so Eric Balchunas from Bloomberg, I believe, uh, talks about this one here. He's posted this tweet. And when you look at it, there's actually more behind it. So further down in the tweet, uh, there is details about what it holds. And what it says is that it's um, to reflect the progressive uh, values of Gen Z. Gen Z is essentially a digital generation who does not know a world before the internet. And there's a scoring system. Love it, right? I'm all about, you know, the multi-factor kind of models. And so if this is something like that, it could get really interesting. So um, there's a Gen Z use and utility score there's a gen z innovation score there's a gen z disruption score and there's a gen z values score and all of these it looks like they combine them together into some sort of multi-factor model to rate different equities or if they're only trading equities and combine that into an etf and there's a bloomberg um thing here which shows i believe this is the global x millennial consumer etf so a similar etf that's out there so yeah, it looks pretty uh, interesting. So there's M-I-L-N, which is its millennial ETF. There's another one called G-E-N-Y, Gen Y. So if you thought that ETFs have run out of ideas, you're wrong. Um, you know, I, it's, I, I know that there's probably more in the woodworks where we see a lot of these Bitcoin filings, but certainly other spaces of the investing world are being looked at too. In the chart of the week, this is from the Compound and Friends. So in this one, they have a chart here from Bloomberg. So what it is showing there, it's not a time series chart. I'm just going to the link which goes to the show. Um, but they actually showed um, on the, I think it was, hang on, let's take a look back here. So they showed this chart from Bloomberg and provided by Rocket Dollar, um, I think one of their sponsors. It's a story count. It looks like a pricing chart or volume chart, actually. It's actually a story count. So all of the mentions of Lehman, um, and we can see that there was a spike in September, 2018. There was another spike in March, 
So just before these market kind of corrections and crashes, and there's even a bigger spike to almost double, or if not, actually, I think it is double of what it was in previous kind of peaks there in September. So with the Evergrande crisis, more people are seeing these stories that talk about this being a Lehman kind of moment. And yeah, it's just really interesting. So it's happened before, it'll happen again. So yeah, definitely worth, uh, worth a look there. Further education, it is from Rask Australia, and this is a video from Owen talking about ETF fees, taxes, and spreads. And it's really good. It's so good, in fact, that we've actually included it as part of our Getting Started series. So in the Getting Started series that we've got here, it's for people that are just getting into ETFs. And there's five parts that we've, well, there's four parts that we've got so far um, created. There's a fifth part, which is how to buy, but we start the journey with even what is an ETF, right? How to get started, what are the videos and stuff there? And then what's the kind of data, sorry, what kind of ETFs are there out there even before we touch the data? So that second part is what are the types of ETFs, the regions, the sectors, and just a bit more information about that. And then we get into the data and the data is really important to us because we use the data to look under the hood of ETFs and to see you know, what's good about certain things what have the trends been looking like and, and all that kind of stuff. And in terms of all of that understanding, it's important to understand one of the most important data points, which is spreads. And we look at liquidity and spreads. So we want to see things that have good liquidity, high, you want positive and growing liquidity and low spreads, either trending downward or already low because spread is the difference between what the buyers and sellers are asking for. And that ratio there, that tells you whether or not um, if buyers and sellers are apart, far apart, if the spreads are wide, that's going to be a bit of uh, a harder time to try to trade that ETF. You want something that is more easily traded. Owen goes through that in more details there. And now we get to the ETF tracker resources. So we've got the app, the main app, and then we've also got the holdings one. So as I said, that is going to be deprecated in some time because the holdings are now just in the one main ETF tracker app. So we can get rid of that page and it's just going to make life easier for investors. And then I mentioned the ETF tracker forum. So I'll let that open up. But if people are interested in the ETF analysis series of videos that we've been doing, well, you can get to that into the portfolio and uh, ETF analysis section. And so that's the last section here. And we've got this ETF analysis video review list at the top of the page there. And yeah, that one is all about um, the ETF video reviews that we've done so far. So we've done VDHG, Qual, IBV, Clean. We did QLTY and QUS, RBTZ for the robots play, CNU, the China New Technologies ETF, Ethi we've done recently, and Hack we did yesterday, I think it was, and, and put that out. And then we've got a few more to add um, to the list. So these have been requests. So there's ACDC, MBA, eMarket, I'm oh, sorry, EMK, EMKT, Hack is also there as well as Moat and Qual. Well, it's actually Moat versus Qual. So someone wants that particular comparison and also Semi. So we will film and create those over the next couple of days. But if you want to add something to the list, you know, give me some work to do. I do enough already, but that's okay. You know, I'm here to help. And yeah, that is there. And then um, the podcast and video. So where you can see and view all of this kind of stuff. And also, 
Shout out to Ausbiz. Uh, they are doing some great work over there. So if you go to Ausbiz, if you haven't already signed up, make sure you do so. You can follow experts and topics. So you can click on this link here, for example, and it will go directly to my page, which is great. So thank you so much to the guys there for sorting that one out. So, you know, I could never have imagined that I'd be able to provide this kind of information or that people would, you know, many people would find it as valuable as they have so far. So shout out to all the people supporting all of this and supporting Ausbiz. They reached 50,000 uh, subscribers recently. So strength to strength to strength. It's awesome. Um, so you can see here my videos, but you can also do a search for a particular topic if you like. And whenever you watch any of these videos, for example, so we'll just choose a random one, right? Um, so they've got the latest videos that have come up here and great. We see the equity mates talking to paradise. Um, so paradise, uh, let's have a look here. So they talked to Julia Wang um, to close off the week. So she's from paradise asset management, I believe. And yeah, if you are interested in these videos, um, what often will happen is that there is, uh, if there is someone that has been previously tagged in other ones before, they'll have this follow link at the bottom. And when you hit follow, it's going to come up and track that as part of your for you page. And you get the bell icon whenever there's updates for things that you are interested in. So they are making it a hell of a lot easier there to follow along with financial news. Check it out. All right, and that's it. And you can follow us on the socials. So uh, there's YouTube, Spotify, Instagram, Twitter. We're starting to do more on Twitter. So keep an eye out. Please follow us and help us grow if that's your preferred medium. Uh, haven't really done much on TikTok um, lately. I did give it a go. Um, I'm 39 now, so I feel like a little bit too old for that kind of stuff. But then I go on there every now and then to watch other people's videos and I see older people doing so well. There. There's just so, so much to do. But in any case, um, I'll lift my TikTok game. I know we're also on LinkedIn, so you can connect with us there. You can you can connect with me if you are interested in, you know, any of the kind of visualizations and all the cool stuff we do, if you want to talk about that, or if you want to help out with the ETF tracker. So yeah, if any of this is of interest, please do um, let me know. As I said, like, share, and subscribe to this if you are following along. If you're not, and you've got suggestions or anything like that, just, you know, reach out to us. So etftracker.com.au, feel free to subscribe to that newsletter. As I said at the start, I'm looking at ways to maybe with this newsletter, actually print out all the back copies and put them as a blog. And if I do it as a blog, then, um, you know, that'd be interesting. I'll save the newsletters to highlight some other things rather than this, you know, all, all of this kind of like just as a newsletter on its own, you can have the newsletter just go directly to the blog. So I'll think about that, um, but something worth looking at anyway. I've spoken enough. It's probably time for dinner soon. So have a great day. Have a great weekend and uh, we'll see you next week. See ya.